Welcome to America's Top Rebbitzins. May this class be for Rafu Shalema, for Lior Tovia Ben Haya Ashna, and also for Shoshana Tova Batleya. Please click the subscribe button to subscribe to us on America's Top Rebbitzins YouTube page, or click follow to follow us on your podcasting app so that you are the first to know when an inspiring new episode is posted. I'm so happy to have on today's show, Rebbitz and Rachel Isaacs. Rebbitz and Rachel grew up in New Jersey, and she's married to Rabbi Yisrael Isaacs. They have lived in Phoenix, Arizona since 2010, and they have five children. Rebbitz and Rachel formerly worked as a pharmaceutical microbiologist, and she currently serves as the Rebbitzin at the Rabibo Center for Jewish Life in Phoenix, Arizona. Please tell us more about yourself and what you do. Thank you for this opportunity and for spreading the voice of so many incredible Rebbitzins. I love how organized you are and how professional you run this. And really, I wish you a lot of success. You're doing amazing work. I mean, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Sure. So I grew up in Lakewood, New Jersey. I went to undergrad at Rutgers and I was working as a microbiologist when I met my husband. And a short while after we got married, we moved to Israel where he started studying for smicha and training um, to be a rabbi. And I, at that time, continued working in the pharmaceutical industry in Israel. And um, then my husband was told about an amazing opportunity that was available to help um, in Phoenix, Arizona, to help Rabbi Rabibo with the Phoenix Hebrew Academy and Beth Joseph Congregation and the Vad Hakashras. So we made the move 12 years ago and Phoenix was growing. It was the perfect opportunity for us. And we were very warmly welcomed in the August heat and found everyone to be just loving and supportive. It was an amazing community. And I guess at that point you could say that I quit my day job and focused on my family and just trying to make a difference in the community. I was just a regular person and I had very little formal Rebbitzin training. Um, my husband, you know, had decided to become a rabbi. So my, my, my mindset going in was, I'm just going to do what I can do. And really like the concept of that there's something that just isn't being done. Just be that person, go in and do it if you can. And um, that's basically what I've been doing since just trying to identify if there's a void and filling that void in whatever way I can. That's really amazing. And I, I, you're so needed in in that community and I'm so, I'm sure they're really contributing to the congregation. So that's really, really exciting that you're there. Thank you. Um, So today we're going to explore individuality and just being yourself based on the gifts and strengths that Hashem gave to you. It's really interesting because today we live in a very exposed world We have social media where everyone seems to be posting videos and photos about how they lost 45 pounds on the latest diet or fitness trend or gorgeous scenes of their beach vacation with their family and even beautiful heartwarming scenes of families or friends getting together to celebrate a special occasion. People's lives are posted online so that we can all see or really think that we see how wonderful people's lives are. And even if you're not on social media, you just look around at people around you, the supermarket and the bank, driving their cars, waiting, waiting online, you know, and you create stories in your mind about how they're so beautiful and wealthy and successful and they have all of life figured out and they don't have any issues at all. And you're the only one walking around with issues. So I wanted to ask you if you can please talk today about how we can develop our own individuality and feel comfortable in our own skin, despite the perception that everyone else has life all figured out and that we don't. 
Well, thank you for bringing this up. It's really an elephant in the room topic and it does need to be addressed. A lot of people are really struggling with the concerns about like, you know, the concept of my Yom Rios. what will everyone else think about me? And sometimes we find, we're finding that that concern is even speaking louder than people's own values. So let's try to like analyze this from different angles. Firstly, the concept that everything is awesome all the time, it just needs to be debunked. It is not true. <laughs> Nobody is perfect. We say it to ourselves all the time. We say it to everyone, but the key is really believing it. No one out there is perfect. Neither are we. We can't be too hard on ourselves. Everyone can go online and take a picture. Okay, everybody, quick, we're going to smile, right? And we're going to do this. And then, like, you all know what the before looks like and what the after of that looks like. Yes. You can do it. You can do it for a picture. You can do it, you know, for a few years. Some people can even get away, like, doing it for a whole decade. But it does not make them perfect. What you're seeing is not real. We're all good people, but we struggle. Every person has a struggle. We have to internalize that. What you're seeing is fake. It is not real. Okay, so now that we get that out of the way, the next angle is the reality. Even if in our minds, we're looking at these things and we're like, okay, they really are perfect. We have to remember that every person was put into this world for a different reason. Some were giving a very easy life, seemingly easy, even if we would like to believe that. And some of us have more day-to-day -day challenges in our lives. These situations do not define us. They're not going to make us a successful person or not a successful person. How we react to those challenges, that's what really, that's what tells us who we are. Whether that person out there that we're seeing is perfect or not, it makes zero difference in our world. We are who we are, and they are put into a totally different situation. And you cannot compare apples to oranges, right? We always say that you can't compare apples to oranges. Yeah. We're not comparing. But we also shouldn't be comparing apples to apples either. Every single one of us is different. And thirdly, I just wanted to say about this that let's say they really are perfect and they really don't have any challenges right now and they really, they do have their life together. Why is it bothering us? <laughs> True. Why? why exactly. Right? Let's <laughs> use them as a role model. They got it. Try to go get advice to them. Your neighbor is perfect. Your friend is perfect. Go talk to them. How are you doing it? What are you doing? How are you making it work for you? Use them to get advice and really try to bring, take what you can and bring it into your life. If it's working for them, maybe it will work for you. Um, and really, when you live life and you, as you get older, you see more and more and you just live this firsthand. When you see that you, someone has their act together at that moment, just be happy for them. You know, like when you see your neighbor, you, you as you know them, you get to know that they did struggle or they did have a problem. And right now it's perfect. Yes, they got to go on that vacation. Yes, they got to, to do what they wanted to do. Just be happy for them and enjoy, let them enjoy their moment. I love that. I really love that. Be happy for others. You know, even if you don't have it all together, even if you're really, really struggling right now, if you see somebody who, who, is going through like an easier patch, let's say, in their lives right now. Be happy for them because you don't know where they were 
two months ago and you don't know where they're going to be two months from now. Right now, they can take a deep breath, be happy for them. And hopefully soon you'll be able to take your deep breath in your life. I love it. I love it. (laughs) I mean, I feel like all people, but especially teens, have challenges maintaining their individuality in the face of peer pressure. If everyone is wearing a certain trend of clothes or shoes, teens feel like they have to get those exact same clothes and those exact same shoes, no matter how expensive they are. And they, you know, just so that they can fit in the crowd. And also I want to add to that is that sometimes the kids don't even like the trend, but they feel like they still have to get it just to fit into the crowd. It's, it's really crazy. Um, and they, they feel pressured by their friends and society to blend into the crowd. Otherwise, they will stick, stick out like a sore thumb, thumb and then be ostracized and nobody will like them. Like they really, really genuinely have this fear. So what words of advice can you give to teens and to people in general who are hesitant to be themselves and express their individuality for fear of not being accepted by others? So this is a fascinating subject. And I was actually discussing it with an educator in a large Jewish community. Uh, She had pulled a parent aside and she told them to dress their middle schooler like everyone else and go get them the in-style and expensive items. And the mother was like, I want my daughter to be appreciated for who she is, whatever that is. I don't want her having to just do what everyone else does. And the educator responded with, that's a beautiful concept. Put it on a Hallmark card. Your daughter is suffering. She has no friends. She's in an environment that is not giving her a chance because she is strange, because she is different. It's a wonderful concept. It's not a reality for these kids. Honestly, this topic is is very foreign to me day to day because I live in a, a, I'm very blessed to live in in a community where from a young age, everyone is different. It's just the norm. Everyone has a different level of observance. They have different minhagim. Everyone has a different way of educating their children and dressing. Children here are raised to be themselves and just to use whatever strengths they have, whatever that is. And obviously some are more talented than others, but there's a place for every person and every person truly does make a difference. As parents, it's really our responsibility from the start, from the get-go, be mechanic our children to be the best form of themselves that they can be wherever they are. And I, I hope that me sharing this with you of my view just gives some people out there who are in much more challenging situations to know that the concept does exist. Even if you live in a community that it doesn't, it does exist in the world and it works well. So again, instead of like, you know, trying to shy away from it, look outside your doorstep and look past your community and see maybe there is something that you can take from, you know, the outside and bring it in. If you don't have the luxury to be accepted for exactly who you are, at the end of the day, just remember what that educator told the parent. Like if these things, they're all nice concepts, but they don't necessarily work. If you're choosing to be in an environment where there is a social norm, you have to comply at some level. If that's your life and that's what you're choosing, you can't ignore that. Everybody needs to belong. You have to give your kids something to belong to. If you don't, 
they're going to find something else that they're going to make to be a new trend or a new style. They're going to go out there and find something else that, trust me, is going to be a lot worse. So you as parents, you as leaders, you need to find something, something that, okay, you may not want them to be in the same, you know, the same style or buy the things that everyone's buying, but find something that makes them proud of who they are, that they feel comfortable with. Like in some communities, there are all these Joneses or Cones or Friedmans or whoever else are out there. Yes. You have to keep in mind, they are them, that you are you. What are they doing? What are they wearing? Does it fit with you and who you are and what you're wearing? If it works for you, if it's something that you love, go for it. Really have fun with it. You, you like, you know, doing what everyone else does and you're happy with it. That's amazing. But if it's not, and if we're discussing this, it means that it's not working for some people. Then you have to remember that the you are you is not being addressed and you have to stop cheating yourself out of your own life. Really, I, I would, I tell people this and I love this idea of set your own moral compass. Find out what ticks for you, an internal measuring stick, right? In the lab, like I'm coming from the sciences. So in the lab, before we put anything on a scale, we have to calibrate that scale before weighing our sample. Yes. Are our metrics of success accurate? Is someone that we're seeing out there, we're like, oh, this is the right thing. Is it really right? Are they the person that you want to be? Is it working for you? And you see people all the time, like they throw out terms like off the derech and out of style. What is the style? What is the derech? What do those terms mean? Is it the same for everyone? Is it working? No. My friend bought a very interesting colored car. So obviously, you know, that was a topic of discussion. So this is what she said. I went to the dealer. And I said, I want your most interesting color. What's the car that least sells? It turns out it's like this. I don't want to say ugly, but like a pea green. Okay. <laughs> like a really, <laughs> really not, not white or black car. And she bought the car and said her life has changed. She would walk outside and she can never find her car in the parking lot. Now she always knows where her car is. And her life is so much easier and so much better. She found something that worked for her. She didn't care about driving any color cars. She's just practical. I want to be able to find my car. I can find my car in a crowd now. Very, yeah, smart, very strategic. Yeah, she, <laughs> she was great. But she saw being like everyone else wasn't working for her. The black and the white cars and all the other, the maroons, whatever, she couldn't she couldn't find it. So it didn't work. And she fixed the issue. And she was so much happier. She's like, I'm not frustrated anymore. I'm not walking up and down trying to find my car. I can see it from wherever I am. And you know, when, when we travel, we, we all right, either something colorful or a ribbon, something on their on our luggage to make it stand out. Because when that luggage comes, being like everyone else, it becomes much more complicated. If we just have a plain black suitcase, everyone looks the same. It doesn't work. Right. right. Yes. So here are like small examples how you take an environment that doesn't work and then you make it work for you on a larger scale. If you're in an environment 
and you're in part in a specific part of a community, you have to figure out that balance. You have to learn how to be part of something, but you have to remember to re- retain your identity and embrace the you with the very special space, the spice and flavor of who you are. I was in a store and I overheard a, a very proud Italian chef say, I give out my ingredients and I give out the nutritional value, but I'm still able to retain my trade secrets. And he was so proud how he's like, I'm telling you everything. Basically, I'm telling you what I'm doing, but I'm still me. And his uniqueness really makes him very successful. He, he seemed to be like own a restaurant chain in the area. And he was so proud of that. Like I can tell, I can share, I can give, but nobody is going to be me. And our job is really to figure out that balance of blending in the what we can be like everybody else. And when we really need to say, this isn't me anymore and find out who we are. I love that. I think it's an amazing, amazing perspective because it's not just one-sided. It really is a balance. Like you said, you know, you, you kind of do have to at least try to kind of fit in with the community that, that you're in, you know, to take something from the community that benefits you, that fits you, that, that is you about the community and use that. And that way you can fit in that way, but just not to lose your individuality at the same time and bring your own uniqueness to the table. So really you have a balance of both elements, the community element and the you element. And they're both in essence, they're really both parts of you and that make you a unique individual. So I think that's great. Really. Um, So Hashem gives each and every one of us certain natural abilities and talents. There are things that we are born with. Some people are born naturally good at math and science. Other people are born with a natural ability to play a musical instrument or to dance. And others excel in athletics and in sports. Everyone has their own gifts from Hashem. I feel like once we can discover what our true talents and abilities are, we are better equipped to find our purpose in the world. Can you please talk to us about how to discover the gifts that Hashem gave to each one of us personally so that we can feel more comfortable in our own skin, knowing that we are created by Hashem as individuals meant for a specific purpose? So as Rebetzins, we always go to the source, right? We go straight to the Torah. Yes. The Torah is our guidebook. And I like to start at the beginning. So right? Hashem's creating the world. He created systems, and within those systems, there's a lot of diversity. We have days of the week. We have night. We have day. We have dry land. We have wetland. We have a solar system. We have the birds. We have the fish, right? We have the plant, the plants. We have the planets. We have the animals. And within each one of these systems is a tremendous variety. Now, I want to take the license to say that we have a special mitzvah of the halachta bedrachav, of really trying to follow in the footsteps of Hashem. And he went and created us this beautiful, unique, diverse, amazing world. Why would we want to go and do the exact opposite and try to make everything the same? Why don't we want to be just like him? And as Jewish mothers, we do a lot of cooking and we do a lot of baking. And We know, all the bookstores know, when a new cookbook comes out, that is going to be a bestseller. For sure. We're always looking for something, right? Something new to fit into our repertoire, something that we we find exciting. When it comes, we, we embrace these new and exciting things when it comes to food. 
we take the same basic ingredients and we make all different things from it. When we bake cookies, right? We take the same ingredients. We make a basic dough and we take, um, then we use different cookie cutters or we use different icings, different designs, and we try to make things different, right? We're embracing it in so many parts of our lives in the smaller things. So the concepts are there. Now, if we as people were compared to cookies, we're created with the same basic recipe, right? We're all people. The makeup, our shape, our size, our icing, our design, that's where our differences are. And they're intentional. We go out there and we look for different recipes. We go out there to intentionally make things different. This is not a mistake. This is on purpose. We like that type of thing. It would have been so much easier for Hashem to take the same mold, to say, okay, I'm creating one type of plant. I'm creating one type of animal. But he chose to diversify the world. A pastry chef can easily use the same exact mold and design, but they spend so much extra time trying to make each piece unique and each piece special, right? Like go to a kiddish buffet. We're all a bunch of people. We all same Shabbos, same shuls, same community. We go out there and we see all the, the tremendous variety of food, right? Yes. Everybody chooses their own food. Everyone likes something else. Some people like salty. Some people like sweet. Some people like hot. Some people like cold. We're basically all the same, but we all are different. And now you see like individuality, it's really becoming much more popular in general. You see it in medicine. You see it in healthy lifestyle choices. You see it in education. Many different apps are out there now. They're promising individualized attention. We're going to get you a coach that works just for you, right? Mm -hmm. But before this new trend, this precedence was in the Torah. Each person was given a unique family to be part of and special strengths that were given just for them. This should be embraced and it should be used for the best. No one got a better package. We all got the package with our name on it. And at the air, going back to the airport, at the airport, we don't go just take any black suitcase off the conveyor belt. We don't take the nicest suitcase. We don't take the largest suitcase. We take ours, even if it's ripped, even if it's tattered, (laughs) even if it's ugly, even if it's small. That one is unique to us. Others, people, luggage, we know it's useless to us. We need to be ourselves. And at Matan Torah, it's right where it describes what's happening. It says, right? We were all like one person, meaning we were a whole bunch of people and we stood unified together as one. We didn't become one and lose our identity. I'd really like to think individuals were unified by what they have in common. And they put their diversity aside for this amazing moment, but they didn't abolish their sense of self. They were still their own person. And my understanding is at that moment, when the Torah was given to the full nation, it was given equally to every one of those those souls. They were standing there unified and it was given to them as one, but to each one of them. 
So if we can just relive that glorious time by now, allowing people that are a little different to just stand together with us and give them the space to belong and to be that one nation, it's their Torah. There's no right way. There's no my way or the highway. It's ours equally. We were all there together years ago. My kid came home from preschool with a song and a book, and I tried finding it. I really can't find it. I'm wondering if the teacher made it up, but it was, there's only one me. There's only one me who likes what I like, who does all the same things that I do. It's this whole song that goes on and on, and they made an arts and crafts and a book. It was really a beautiful project. How beautiful would it be if we could continue that throughout all the grades? It was so well-received in preschool. There's me. I'm special. Uh, you're telling a child, I'm special, right? We all want to tell our kids, you're special. You're unique. But then somehow, as they get older, we start with, no, you can't be that special. <laughs> That's a little too much. No. So why are we shying away from it as they get older? And this like such a funny thing happened to me. I always, whenever I'm like living my life, I always come home and I tell my husband, I have the best sermon story for you, but I'm at the, <laughs> I'm at the supermarket, right? It's right before things are starting to close down. Like people were starting to get nervous before the pandemic, a word is out, things are happening. And there's a woman in front of me online in the supermarket. And she was there with a list of things that she needed to get in case of emergency. We had no idea what was ahead of us at that point. Let me guess, toilet paper was on the list, high on the list, the whole cart with toilet paper. I don't think it was even on the list yet. I think it was, I think it was before the shortage. Oh my gosh. And she started asking me, she's like, what do you do with these items? She clearly did not know how to bake bread. She had never seen yeast before and she wasn't buying flour, but the list said buy yeast. So she's going on with her mission. She's going on her mission with like all these items that she that were clearly very, very necessary because it made it onto somebody's emergency list that they then went and published, but she had no idea what to do with these items. That's funny. So we're going, we're going back and forth with these. And finally, I just said to her, like, what do you like to eat that's shelf stable? Like, do you have anything that you like? Forget about what's on this list. And she laughed. So then she's like, okay, I'm putting back the yeast. And then she's like, looks at, then she looks at the conveyor belt with her, with her stuff. And she's like, and I'm putting back the dried beans, the 50 pounds of dried beans that she's totally didn't need. And she's like, I have what I need at home. That wow. was like the punchline. She's like, wow. I have everything I need. But then I saw the list and I figured I better come out. I better get these items because it's an emergency. We don't know what to expect. So we're going to go buy all these random things. It was totally a perception that there was a problem. There was no problem. She had already done her grocery shopping. She had a house full of food. She didn't need yeast. She didn't know how to use yeast. And she didn't, um, and she didn't need beans because she doesn't eat beans. <laughs> so I really took that moment and thought, wow. I really like to think of us in the same way. We are people. We believe in Hashem. We believe clearly that he put us into this world for a reason. He gave us the tools that we need for our missions. We have what we have at home. We don't need a random list of items to survive. We need what we already have. 
We don't need to look around the supermarket for a 50 pound bag of beans that we are never going to use. We have to take what we have and we have to feel confident that what, what we have and what we need is already there and work on that and try to make that better and really tap into whatever that is. And just as like from the Rabbi Rebbitzin point of view of our vision, right? Like we have a, a congregation and we have amazing people and there's just like a basic message that you're going to, you try to give. You want everyone to know that you have to be a mensch, like common sense type things that most people already know, but it's your job to drive it home. Like connect to Hashem. You have to love and fear him. You have to try to emulate him. As we said, enjoy the beauty of Torah study, embrace your Judaism, be there for others. But when we talk about these topics, we're not giving them uh, this is what you have to do. We expect to deliver these messages and hope that every person in, in our community will then take those basic messages and really add their own personal flavor. And those flavors will then blend together to form this unique mix, which is what we call a community. You have people that love to give charity. You have some people love to just help out. You're running an event. Oh, can I be there for you? And you have some people that love to be the person that's sitting in shul and learning. You have people that love to host guests. You have some people that love to teach and you have people that want to be on the security team. Some people take on official roles and they serve on boards in the community. And some people lay low and just they're there if you need them. Everyone finds something and there really is something for everyone. And no one job is more important than another. Every single job in, is equal. And back to the pandemic, we really found that, you know, we used to think of some roles as being more respectable than others, you know, like we're going to do this or we're going to do that when we grow up. And, you know, you'd be prouder about certain ones. But we very, very quickly saw that basic jobs like grocery store employees, truck drivers, cleaning people, those were the people that were hailed as heroes along with the healthcare workers. We For never sure. forget that message. Yes, Every person ha is and will always be a tremendous asset. They are that person. Wow. They're unique. And that's what's important. It's really, really powerful. Everything that you said is powerful. I, you know, I, I want to comment about the lady in the supermarket during the pandemic. She was shopping from somebody else's grocery list. Somebody else had made up the list or maybe she saw it on Facebook or wherever she saw it. And she was shopping and she clearly, you know, as you said, she didn't know what to do with the yeast. She didn't eat beans, but she was buying it because somebody else said, I must have it. You know, it's so interesting. And you're right. She had what she needed at home because she had already gone out earlier, maybe even the day before. And she bought what she liked to eat. She bought what she knew how to cook. She bought what she needed for herself. You know, it just, it's a testament to our own individuality. We really do know who we are. We really do know what we need. And I think that if we can, you know, just take a moment to look more internally as opposed to externally, we can figure that out. We can figure out who we are and what we really, really need. So we're not shopping off of somebody else's grocery list, metaphorically speaking, you know. I love that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Um, and it really is interesting that everybody really does have something, uh, their own uniqueness to contribute. Everybody, every Jew counts. 
and every profession counts. You're right. It's so interesting because people are like, they didn't know what to do. You know, the, the cleaning lady is not there. And the, you know, if the garbage man didn't come one day for, for, for some reason, I know that happened to us, I think the garbage just piles up and it's, you know, every job is necessarily necessary. And it also made me think of what you're saying about individuality within a family, you know, when little kids go to school, they learn that they're unique and they're individual and they have to embrace themselves and love themselves for who they are. And then as we get older, you were saying, you know, why, why do we not teach this in, in other grades? And it made me think all of us are, you know, all of us are Jews, we're, we're Jewish, but we're unique. We express our Judaism in a unique way. And that's why, you know, sometimes parents try to instill certain values in their kids and they do, they convey the message to their kids, just like you convey the message to your congregants. But the kids sometimes grow up a little bit differently than the parents would have liked. I think you just hit the nail on the head right there when you said, because they're individuals, because they're not carbon copies of their parents or because of society. You know, we instill our values in them, but then they take what we instill in them and they make it their own. And that's what's beautiful about it. Yes. And hopefully we give them the guidelines to show yes. them you know, the absolutes of where you can be an individual and where you can't. And I think if we're more honest about those lines, then I think the result will really speak for itself. Wow. Very powerful. Yes. Um, so I love inspirational stories. Uh, it's my favorite part of the interviews. And I want to ask if you can please share with please us share an with us. anecdote or two, either from your life or from the life of someone you know, who at first struggled to find themselves as an individual, and then was able to be comfortable in their skin and really own who they are as a person, as an individual with talents and abilities that were given to them by Hashem. So to protect the privacy, I'm sorry, this is your favorite part, but to protect the privacy <laughs> of the people. Yes that is around me. I'm really not going to share any particular stories from the community, okay, but let me assure you, they exist big time. When you think about it, we live in a post-Holocaust world and individual survivors, really each person came and created families with many offsprings. I mean, it happened in my family. My father was an only child and he has many, many grandchildren, can I know her now? And they're not the same as they were pre-war. These survivors are totally changed people. Yes. They're not, they're not the same as their families. They're not the same as the community they grew up with. And instead of the, these survivors, these people going and saying, like, they're just bemoaning the fact that they didn't have what they left, they picked up the pieces and they became the people that they are. And they, by doing that, were able to rebuild the Jewish community that we are also lucky to be part of. They could have easily been like, hey, we were raised a certain way. This is what we're used to. This is what's in our comfort zone. These are our talents. And they're like, no, we're going to create something new. We're going to take what we have. We're going to pick up the pieces and we're going to move along. Now we're at, obviously, luckily, we have been blessed to have, even though the pandemic hit hard, it's nothing at all like what those people have gone through. But we do have another tremendous opportunity. We took a break. The whole world stopped. And everything that we took for granted, all of a sudden, wasn't taken for granted. Those truck drivers are not driving trucks as quickly as we need them to be. We still have issues. Yep. We just need to take what we can and be ourselves. 
We have to sit down. We have to have lunch. We have to have coffee, not with somebody else, with ourselves. And we have to say, what do we stand for? What do we want to be? Who are we? And then we have to take though that whatever comes up out of that conversation and we have to connect the dots until we find the space that we truly can be ourselves. My husband and I went to visit a friend of ours that recently had a stroke and we had been so worried about him. And we were just so thankful that he was making enough progress that we were able to go and that he can accept visitors. So we sit down to schmooze and our friends telling us that they had a, a medical procedure and, and really sadly in the middle of the procedure, they had a stroke and they got memory loss. So we were like, how did you know that you had memory loss? The way that he said it was like clear, like he knew he had memory loss. So like, how did you know that you had memory loss? And I have no idea what we were expecting him to say, like what the doctor <laughs> told me. I had memory. Like, I don't know why we asked that question. Like, it's a strange question to ask someone recuperating. But what he said left us speechless. And we were so thankful we had asked the question. He said, when I woke up from the coma, I opened my eyes and I could not remember the words of Moda'ani. Wow. And I knew something was wrong. Now, this person's coming out of a very serious stroke. They clearly had some brain damage, but they realized on their own that they did not know the words of Moda'ani that they said every day. Thank you, Hashem, for giving me another day. Every person wakes up in their own bed to do the things that they need to do. Remember that when you wake up, when you thank Hashem for giving you another day, he's giving you the opportunity to be you. And I'm going to end with one final story. We all hear about what goes on in the world and how harsh the public school system can sometimes be with its very strong influences. And they're, they're real. They're, there's definitely a lot of problems out there. So I asked a teenager, what was the most shocking thing that you saw in public school after leaving your insular Jewish day school? Okay, now your head's going, right? Your head's yes. spinning like, what is this kid gonna say? <laughs> Without hesitation. The response was, I saw that there are kids that have parents that don't love them. Wow. Period. Now, this can be perception, right? A lot of times our kids think <laughs> we're punishing them, they don't love us. Right. But it can also be very real. If there's one take home message from this conversation, just be you, your loving self. Take the time to find what makes you happy, what makes you tick, what works for you so that you can live your life well and that you can share that real version of you with your family and with the people of your life. All they want is your love. So be yourself. I love it. I love it. That's a perfect way to end and such a powerful message. And thank you. 
Thank you so much, Robinson Rachel, for joining us on America's Top Robinsons. We really enjoyed having you on the show. And may all the learning we did today be for Rafua Shalema, for Lior Tovia, Ben Haya Ashna, and also for Shoshana, but Shoshana Tova, but Leah. Thank you so, so much. Sure. Have a great day. Thank you, too.